it was perhaps inevitable that the man-made world would one day require a unique woman, a wonder woman. That day has come. You are that unique woman, Diana. You will be the Wonder Woman. Welcome to Now Playing's Wonder Woman Retrospective Series. The two most exciting words in show business today, Wonder Woman! <laughs> she does have a style. Style all her own. Part of our DC Comics movie review series. No one can stop this mission, least of all a woman. Hosted by Stuart. A man here on our island? Jacob. Do your best, boy. General, I can only do my best. And Arnie. I'm going to have to get accustomed to men and devious women. These podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Just say it, whatever the language, be honest. Listener discretion is advised. Go in peace, my daughter, and remember that in the world of ordinary mortals, you are a wonder woman. Change the minds and change the world. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Today we're discussing Wonder Woman. Starring Linda, no, starring Kathy Lee Crosby. Who? <laughs> you guys don't follow tennis or remember her ads for Pepsodent? <laughs> That's incredible that you guys don't know her. Mm-hmm, yeah. Kaz Garris, Charlene Holt, and Ricardo Montalban. Ah, uh, there's the one that matters. Yeah. Directed by Vincent McEvity. This is the now playing co-host who's filled with wonder, Arnie. Stewart from Paradise Island. And this is your host that's so totally captivating, Jacob. <laughs> so here we are, Wonder Woman the movie. Coming out in two weeks, people have been clamoring for Wonder Woman on the big screen. When Guardians of the Galaxy came out, there was that meme that went around that said Marvel can make a movie about a talking raccoon before DC can make a movie about a woman. Yeah, it's not just Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman is, I think we can all agree, Marvel or DC, the most famous female superhero and the fact that she's only been relegated to a 70s tv show or i'm sorry tv movies as we'll be discussing in these next two weeks is kind of strange yeah i mean i remember even a few years ago i don't know if it's part of the sony hacked emails or whatever but they're saying oh no there's no way we could do people don't want a wonder woman movie they don't want a female action hero which is crazy because at least with the dc mythology there is the trinity superman batman and Wonder Woman, like top three character, and like you said, top female superhero. Yeah, but you gotta look at female superheroes on screen. God knows we reviewed them. Tank Girl, Catwoman, Elektra. Okay, but look at something like Alien and Ripley. There have been tough women that have been in great films. Black Widow is probably one of my favorites in the Marvel Universe. I do think that certain actresses can pull it off. Scarlet 
tried recently with Ghost in the Shell, and it didn't go so well, in, at least in this country. I do think there's a stigma about women in action movies, and sometimes it's the script, and sometimes it's just the audience. I think with superheroes, you're specifically going for a trope. And one thing we called out that I kept in mind when watching these Wonder Woman movies we're going to be reviewing before the new one is... Did they Benjamin Bratt the men in it, which is often you have the strong woman surrounded by a whole bunch of buffoons that makes none of them look better. It does not make her look stronger to have these idiots all around her. Don't be talking about Steve Trevor that way. He's awesome. <laughs> hey, we, we've seen a preview of the Wonder Woman we're going to get from Batman v Superman, and I'm guessing a lot of people would say she was the best thing about that, and she was surrounded by dumb men, Superman and Batman, based on a lot of people's opinions. <laughs> yep, I, I actually agree with that. Yeah, she's definitely a highlight of that pretty grim movie. Yeah, she was a cameo in it. She was needlessly inserted in an already bloated film. But I did really like Gal Gadot's portrayal, the way she seemed to be having fun while fighting the abomination at the end, whereas everybody else just looked like they were going to Martha's funeral. And she had that rockin' theme, too, like that electric sitar or something. <laughs> That's the actual Justice League theme. Oh, really? It I... came up when she was opening all the files with the Flash and Cyborg. Oh, okay. and all. But it is a good theme. I like that theme a lot. But building up to that, we knew we were going to do a Wonder Woman movie. Leave it to me and Wiki to find us two made-for-TV Wonder Woman movies. I think I knew about this one. I think I had heard it, maybe even seen a video box on a shelf at some point, but... I think you're stretching it. The Linda Carter movie is just the pilot to the show, right? It was like the Captain America stuff, a pilot made only, aired as a movie of the week for both of these, this week's and next week's, movie of the week's, judge the ratings, and then determine if they actually go to series, just like the Captain America and Spider-Man and Incredible Hulk stuff. And in fact, the one we're talking about next week, the Linda Carter one, aired about a year before the real first season. It aired in the fall. They did two one-hour episodes in spring, and then the next year it really started, and they call a span of two full years one season now because they only put out three episodes the first year. So these are both TV movies. I already have you guys whipped into doing them. I no longer have to research <laughs> if these were aired in turkey theaters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, we just accept our fate. <laughs> we had two blank weeks before Wonder Woman was coming out. And yeah, I wanted to know more about this character. Jacob, I turn to you. Wonder Woman, obviously an icon. I think it's helpful that she's coming out in her TV incarnation at the same time that the feminist movement is really coming to the fore. But how long has she been in print? How long was there a Wonder Woman comic? Wonder Woman's super interesting when you delve into her origins. And it's a shame that people, you know, it's so much about Linda Carter or the bathing suit outfit because William Malton Marston, who wrote under Charles Malton, that was his pen name, came up with Wonder Woman in 1941. He was a psychologist just as World War II was going on. Is that before or after Captain America? She seems similar. Captain America was 41 as well. Mm, okay. This is a couple years after Superman and Batman came out, though. Sure. And Marston, he was like, again, a psychologist, but he was like the anti-Frederick Wortham, if you know, Seduction of the Innocent, that Wortham wrote, mm -hmm. comics are going to make you gay and a criminal. Marston thought comics were great, and he led a very 
unconventional lifestyle. He had a wife and a mistress, and they all lived together. You'd say he was a polygamist, but he was a... Polyamory before it was a thing. Yeah, no, he was a feminist, a suffragist, and it was his wife who's like, hey, you should make a female superhero and teach girls to be strong and tough. Because he just, he's like, oh, I want to make something where they don't fight and just love conquers all. And it was his wife's like, no, but you got to make her tough. Girls want to see a tough character, and then they'll accept the love. And of course, Rosie the Riveter was an icon of the time. As the men went off to the battlefield, women had to take their place in factories and such, and women were being told, you need to be tougher. The thing with Wonder Woman is... So you got this feminist, this suffragist, you know, she's got all the powers of Superman. She's got her lasso of truth. Coincidentally, Marston invented the lie detector. Wow. But there's a lot of kink in Wonder Woman. A lot of people being tied up, an island of just women. Read into that what you will. Yeah, the Greeks did that too. (laughs) I mean, people did see this complicated character where it's like, yeah, she's tough and she's going to defeat the Nazis, but what's with all the bondage and all the kink also going on? People thought it was also kind of soft porn Hmm. when they read those early comics. Yeah, well, you know, it's hard to imagine a female superhero that isn't sexualized. Even if she's powerful, even if she does great things just as men do, I think that if these are men drawing her, it's going to go in that realm. I think that's changed in the past decade. I think that there is a specific movement of feminists in comics that are trying to downplay that. And I think that's going both ways. I would say that the males are sexualized as well. I think everybody is a physical ideal. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to see that as sexualized or not, you're going to see the men all have big muscles and wear spandex outfits. And so the women have curvy bodies and wear spandex outfits. I think that's definitely been downplayed. Marvel has recently redesigned most of their character outfits (laughs) to be, for lack of a better word, a little more dowdy. And gender change, too. Like, Wonder Woman now would be played by, like, a black man. If it was Marvel, yes. <laughs> Hulk is Asian. Thor is female. Spider-Man sure. is black and Asian. Isn't Iron Man a black teenage girl now? Yes. <laughs> some of that seems like desperation. Some of that seems like political correctness. But some of it seems like, yeah, it's kind of neat. Once you have a character that's kind of run through its paces, it's kind of fun to reinvent. But this is classic Wonder Woman we're talking about. This version that's in the 40s. Is that what we're getting in these movies? This Kathy Lee Crosby Wonder Woman in 1974, you know, one of the things DC, they're always messing, I mean, comics, they're always messing with their characters, but they did in the 70s depower Wonder Woman and she was just like an international super spy. Hmm. And that's what was going on in the comics when this TV film went into production. And I think we'll talk about that because I don't see a whole lot of superpowers in this film. I was reading that on Wiki, Jacob, when I was researching this. I had no idea that for a period they decided Wonder Woman should not be an Amazon able to fly with invisible jets and lasso of truth, but instead reinvent her, take an existing character. But the specific mold was to try to be like Emma Peel from the Avengers British Uh, TV series. Oh, yeah. Sexy cat suit. I get that. She was an icon in and of herself. She was kind of a superhero. That's not a bad way to go. So when I'm watching the movie we're discussing today, I'm seeing a lot of James Bond. But the Avengers was kind of a James Bond ripoff TV series. And so what you're seeing is a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy now. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's what you would expect coming to a Wonder Woman anything. I mean, you, even as a kid who maybe read the comics, you sit down to watch Wonder Woman. I don't know if you want depowered Wonder Woman. I think you want the bathing suit and the superpowers and the invisible jet and the lasso. Was she ever blonde? I, she might have dyed her hair to go undercover, <laughs> but no. Diana Prince is always dark black hair, brunette. I gotta say, they actually did release this movie officially on DVD. When I got this from Amazon and I saw Kathy Lee Crosby in this outfit on the front that makes her look like she's about to perform in an archery competition, <laughs> like she's doing some Robin Hood cosplay with stars on the arms, I did not know what to expect. Where's the tiara? Where's the bathing suit? She's got the gold belt, but that's about it. I could see her pushing a tea cart down an airplane aisle. <laughs> And see, I was thinking Evil Knievel. I'm like, cool, maybe we'll get some dirt bike action in this. You do. Yeah, true. Yeah, I wouldn't call it action. We get a dirt bike, though. This was actually, though, not the first attempt to bring live action Wonder Woman to the screen. It was not the successful attempt either. That's next week's. But Batman 66, such a huge success. We talked about that with the Batman series. It became a phenomenon. It burned out very quickly. But it was huge. Back then, apparently, they had a Brady Bunch, Brady Kids cartoon, and Wonder Woman was on that. Never heard of that, okay. (laughs) Have you ever seen the episodes where, like, Scooby-Doo and the Harlem Globetrotters team up to solve a mystery? Yes. (laughs) Or Scooby-Doo and Batman and Robin also did? You're dealing with something like that. I mean, I think we all know the Super Friends. That's where I first remember seeing her. And it's worth pointing out, this is not an era for superheroes. Superman the movie hadn't come out. I think Shazam was on TV, but otherwise, I wasn't quite paying attention to TV. I was just being born when these things were coming out. But yeah, I do think that, yeah, James Bond was much more popular. Comic books were for children. And even Batman was on daytime television. Putting this on primetime. No, Batman was primetime. What? Yeah, it went into syndication on daytime when we watched it as kids. Oh, okay. But it was a primetime series. It all really goes back to Superman in the 50s and 60s with George Reeves and... Yeah, Shazam started in 74, the same year this came out. Oh, that means when The the Rock comes out with the Shazam movie, we're going to have to watch that thing, huh? Is he the same thing as Captain Marvel? Yes. Okay. On the plus side, it was only a one-hour Saturday morning TV show. I don't know if I can find a way to say there's a movie in that Shazam <laughs> uh, Nope, show. not a movie. I'm calling it now. I think we're done with DC. There might be some Flash movies from the 90s, movies in quotes. But otherwise, I think that this might be finally it. We can finally say we've done all the Marvel in DC after we get through Wonder Woman's leg here. But, yeah, Batman had fizzled out, but its legacy was still fresh in the memory. Enough time had passed. But at that time, they tried to bring Wonder Woman to television, I guess. This is available on YouTube. They tried to do a Batman 66-like Wonder Woman series called Who's Afraid of Diana Prince? (laughs) (laughs) Similar to Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, a popular play at the time, although... Full of, like, drama and hysterics. A lot of screaming on the on the show? Yes. Oh, really? There's five minutes of this on YouTube. <laughs> One of the YouTube commenters made me laugh out loud. I like to show this to Wonder Woman fans to make them cry. <laughs> because it is a teenage girl 
although she's apparently millions of years old. And the teenage girl is Diana Prince sitting at the table wishing she could have a date and changing into Wonder Woman to go out on a mission. That's where this five minute ends. And it like has her standing in front of a television and it's like she has the speed of Hermes. She has the strength of Hercules. And she thinks she has the looks of Aphrodite, but it's this really ugly teenage girl, but in the mirror they have, like, a supermodel. The Re- different actress playing Wonder Woman? No, it's the same actress, but in the mirror, when she looks in a mirror, she sees an attractive woman okay. as compared to what she is. It's a lot of screeching, and honestly, a lot of humor that I would expect on, like, Hee Haw. Hee Haw. Well, you got my attention. <laughs> I mean, it's really bad. Why it's- aren't we covering it? Just help me out. Well, first of all, they only made a five-minute demo. Oh, good. Okay, perfect. It never got any further. It makes it hard for me to believe it's ever a thing. Wiki tells me it's a thing, but it really feels like a bad Saturday Night Live skit of what a Wonder Woman series would be in the 60s versus somebody actually saying, let's make this. Yeah, and it sounds like parody. Again, they can't take the genre seriously. It's someone that's trying to live up to a comic book ideal and failing. So they weren't trying to do Wonder Woman. Didn't that Superman show where they're all dogs even get a full episode? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Super pumped. So basically the 60s, early 70s, not a great time for superheroes. I have to believe Helen Reddy and Gloria Steinem are the reason why we're getting Wonder Woman first. Before Hulk, before that Spider-Man TV series, before all the other, what we think, Doctor Strange, all that CBS stuff. This was what they went with. And this was ABC, which is news to me because seasons two and three of Wonder Woman did air on CBS. I Mm. always thought of it as a CBS series. They showed Wonder Woman and Hulk back to back when I was a kid. I watched them both back to back. So I never knew that it started on ABC. And I had to look it up. This even was ahead of things like Bionic Woman and Charlie's Mm. Angels. I thought that maybe this was the superhero pylon of the female action star. But no, it is coming in the shadow of Bionic Man and so many of these other TV action series. This actually started the same year as Six Million Dollar Man, the Kathy Lee Crosby. But the action TV genre was hitting hard. And so, yeah, they decided to try Wonder Woman, thinking they might be able to recapture some of that Batman success. And sure, why not modernize it? If the comics have this version of Wonder Woman now, this Emma Peel Wonder Woman, let's see if she can have any appeal as Kathy Lee Crosby. (laughs) I think we know the answer already because she's not in the movie next week. But Arnie, why don't you give them the plot and we can try to unravel this very bizarre first incarnation. Well, second, if you count Diana Prince. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid of that Diana Prince. Kathy Lee Crosby plays Diana Prince, a warrior from an island of only women sent to the world of men to be their warrior, a Wonder Woman. To that end, Diana has joined a U.S. spy agency, presumably as a secretary for Agent Steve Trevor, played by Kaz Garris, but he knows she is an independent secret agent with gadgets and judo fighting ability. (laughs) As all secretaries hired uh, for the FBI would be, I suppose. In this episode, a mysterious criminal has orchestrated the theft of 10 books across the globe. Together, they have the identities of the United States' 39 undercover spies. Yes, we only have 39 (laughs) of them. (laughs) 
But this is where Mission Impossible got the idea for the knock list, right? Yes! They completely ripped this off! Oh, God. I completely called this the knock list in all my notes. That's how I wrote it down, too. (laughs) If the U.S. agency doesn't pay $15 million to get the books back in the next 48 hours, the criminal will release the information leading to the spy's exposure and probable death. Trevor sends many of his agents out to investigate known criminals, but Diana has a gut feeling that the criminal is Abner Smith, which of course it is because it's played by Ricardo Montalban. (laughs) She goes to France and has several encounters with Abner's rebellious henchman George, played by Andrew Prine. Do any of these actors ever work again? Am I saying names that mean nothing? Oh, the love boat is filled with these people. (laughs) Despite Abner's admonishment, George and his assassins keep trying to kill Diana, and keep failing. When Steve pays the ransom via donkey. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> as soon as they open the crate, I'm just like, I love this movie. <laughs> Diana tracks Abner down to a secret hideout in the wall of the Grand Canyon. There she has to fight Angela, another woman from her island who left to become a mercenary. Diana defeats Angela and tries to stop Abner, but is trapped, about to be crushed in a room with a moving wall. Abner, meanwhile, escapes by inflatable boat, leaving George to drown when the henchman tries to betray Abner and steal all the money. But Wonder Woman finds a motorcycle in Abner's lair and catches up to the affable criminal, who is arrested with a smile on his face as credits roll. Okay, I'm trying to imagine myself in the 70s, being who I am, someone that didn't read comics, didn't watch comic book movies, turning on my TV and experiencing this cold. If I didn't know this was a comic book character, and if I hadn't seen that iconic suit, I wouldn't know what to make of this island that she comes from. I've got to say, they spend very little time setting up who Diana Prince is, her powers. I don't think we even get a name for her island. I only know what's going on with her backstory because I know the comic. I mean, there is so much Vaseline on that lens with their Paradise (laughs) Island. I said they would never be able to use it again. They just have to throw that one out and buy a new lens for the next shoot because it's making Civil Shepard look at it and go, damn, that's a lot of fuzz <laughs> yeah we get that it's this gauzy island you might think it's fantasy island except ricardo's not here it's all women and they really like to clink bracelets which i feel like is a euphemism for something going on. <laughs> i didn't know if that was intentional like we're going to draw a lot of attention to this or did it just on the set they made a lot of noise and they couldn't afford to do some looping and so uh, those bracelets made a lot of noise but this is for television so who cares yeah i would assume this is heaven or some astral plane or something i don't think i would understand that this is an island somewhere in what the atlantic can i admit something embarrassing i always thought wonder woman came from south america because she was an amazon right the amazon <laughs> river right i didn't know that the amazons were greek <laughs> You know, yeah, they're Greek, and they live on Paradise Island, which, yeah, is kind of this hidden island that's surrounded by, at least in the comics, or some of the comics I've read, surrounded by, like, these giant sea creature shark-like things to stop people from coming there. Yeah, because I watched the 2009 animated Wonder Woman movie, and I was all confused about why she was fighting Ares, the god of war. I'm like, what does an Amazonian South American jungle woman have to do with the god of war? But it turns out the true Amazons are a offshoot of Greek 
myth and they were great archers and they actually would amputate a breast so that they could shoot better and amazon somehow translated from greek is with one breast think of wonder woman as thor there's a whole like real mythology thor's got norse mythology she's got greek mythology she'll run into zeus or yeah ari's the god of war yeah that was news to me when i thought she was hailing from rio de janeiro (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) don't be too embarrassed because that was always a source of confusion, too. I don't even think when I watched this show, I knew where the Amazon was. So I wouldn't even know it was South America. But I did not understand its connection to Greek myth. It makes a lot of sense. She's very similar to Electra in that way, then, I guess. But we don't get a lot on the island. We actually start off with what looks like the world's biggest library theft. Across the globe, in Rio, in Paris, in Berlin... Military people are stealing a red and a blue book. Gotta have both. It looks, honestly, like a Bible. It's like got a volume one and a volume two with Roman numerals. Like one's the Old Testament, one's the New Testament. Yeah, we're told that this is the way of disseminating the information so that it's not in one place to be stolen. If you spread it out and scatter it this much, no one will ever be able to mount an operation to collect it all. Although it looks very easy here. You just put on a soldier (laughs) uniform and when no one's looking, you open a, a safe. Or a piano or a desk. I mean, knowing where these books are must have been some kind of mounted plan, but I don't understand why they have these huge tomes if there's only 39 agents (laughs) and there's 10 books. So that's less than two agents per book. Not to mention it's hardback. How current could this be? It's like when you buy encyclopedias. I mean, (laughs) after a while, the information's not good anymore. I have to believe the one in the piano is not going to tell you everything you need to know about where the agents are that day. Because the whole premise of this is they've stolen this book to blackmail the U.S. government. The idea is that we're going to pay for that information to not fall into bad hands. But they also only connect with these 39 agents every three days. Every 72 hours, they call in. This theft happened right when they were calling in, I guess. So now there's 48 hours before the government pays. And if they don't, then it's 24 hours of them being burned. Yeah, so I felt like if they could only stall this terrorist for 24 hours, that would be a pretty easy thing to do. Like, if they could just be like, oh, the check's in the mail. It'll be there one extra day. (laughs) The donkey got lost. (laughs) Here's my question. I know inflation's a thing, and Austin Powers, the whole joke is like $1 million doesn't mean anything today. But $15 million for the... U.S. government? I mean, I just recently watched the original taking of Pelham 123, and a million bucks was like a big deal for a ransom in that film, so I guess that was a lot then, but 15 million seemed like a small amount for the government to pay to save all its secret agents. Yeah, our entire operation. That calculates to almost 80 million today's money. Okay, that's still nothing to our government. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, when you look at funding for, yes, it's outrageous that it would be this low. And that there would only be 39, and that most of the bulk of the work here falls on the secretary of the guy who's their boss. I think it's awfully naive. Now, again, keep in mind when this is coming out. This is the early 70s. Bond has had its peak, and we're entering the Roger Moore years. Live and Let Dies around this time. Mission Impossible had been big on television. So a lot of spy shows out there. But it's incredibly naive to think there are only 39 spies in the entire world during the Cold War. And that, yes, when you look at the 
budget of the United States even back then. This is such a small amount. Maybe that's why Abner thought he'd get away with it. They'd be like, you know, if I ask for a hundred million, they might actually try to come after me. But for fifteen million, they probably can't even expense her trip for fifteen million. And of the thirty-nine, six of them are in the office ogling the secretary. <laughs> They're not even out in the world doing work. They're like literally on coffee break and checking out the hot new secretary. I think those are spies, but they're not like the undercover, deep cover spies who would get burned. And I just want to know how much it costs to mail these donkeys all over the place. I mean, that seems like $15 million right there. <laughs> I really did think he spent at least half the money setting this whole thing up. I mean, he's got a layer in the Grand Canyon. He's mailing donkeys and has four identical donkeys. And the donkeys are trained for a certain route. And he's got a room that George Lucas would rip off for a trash compactor in Star Wars. There's a lot of planning that went into this. If I was a terrorist, I wouldn't get out of bed for $15 million, let alone do all Abner does. And he was going to split it among a whole lot of guys. Keep in mind, these books were stolen by five different men. All of these men were going to get in on the gig in addition to George, the two assassins, and Abner. So that's $15 million split nine ways if George hadn't been ambitious. And in one of the very early scenes... We see he has Cass and Joey. <laughs> Cass is a woman, by the way. They are identical. I thought they, they were identical men. They're wearing the same outfit, even. And the same hairstyle. But yet I'm like, I think one's a woman. Are they fraternal twins? What's going on there? But they come in and gun down the five who stole the book so that now they're only sharing the money four ways. And that's going to be... The theme, what really undoes everything, isn't even Wonder Woman. It's the fact that Abner hired way too ambitious and bloodthirsty a henchman. Yeah, and his gum habit probably is part of the bill there, too. He's always <laughs> smacking some chewing gum at the most moment. That's his little trademark to look evil. Uh, you know, some villains have a cat to pet, and this guy, he chews gum. After those men get sent out, they're told there's three different men who it could be. And I thought we might have a globe-trotting thing where Wonder Woman has to investigate all three possible bad guys. Yeah, why bring up the other ones? I guess because they have a computer. She's like, I took the trouble of setting up the computer, <laughs> which is pretty new in the workforce, I guess, at this point. But the computer was the one that figured out it's either this English guy somebody walking a dog in South America <laughs> or an unphotographed Frenchman. Who could it be that we only have like a cane poking out of a car window? He's a contractor. So we know he's a criminal to start with. <laughs> of course, it's the guy. No one has ever seen his face. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw Ricardo Montalban in huge letters as special <laughs> guest star in the opening credits. And he's wearing a white suit. And I'm like, smiles, everyone smiles. We're going to France. Yeah. No, I thought Diana was going to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I love her cover story. Yeah. Who is that for? At first, I thought Steve, her boss, was dumb enough not to get what she was doing. But he is in on it. I mean, he does pull her aside afterwards. The other agents don't know it. I guess it's to save face. Yeah, we hire you guys to do the work. But really, it's this underemployed secretary that's going to do all the stunts and daring do. But... He does say, which dentist are you seeing? The one in France. So he knows right away that she's the secret agent. But because she comes from this island, she's an independent agent, but she's working. I'm confused as to how this whole hierarchy works. 
I don't know because there is no backstory for this Wonder Woman. Again, maybe something was said in that Vaseline lens <laughs> scene on her island. I couldn't even understand that clanking was so loud. So I actually have no idea what her backstory is or what her relationship is. We needed a scene. The island was mostly, you say goodbye to all the women, but these are your closest friends. So say goodbye to them while I name them to you because they're your closest friends, but you don't know who they are. Because <laughs> one of them's going to come up later, I guess. I, I didn't even realize that. I actually wrote down all their names and I was, noticed there's something weird the way they pronounced Angela instead of Angela. I'm like, all right. So when Angela comes up later, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I paid attention back then. She's the one that's jealous that Diana gets to go to the man-made world. And so that gives her a reason to run away later but that's the surprise for the second half of the movie for now yeah we're simply going to france on the hunch she has no information to base this on on the hunch that maybe it's this french guy and so she's just going to tool around a hotel until men start attacking her in the elevator <laughs> and she is like james bond though the way james bond would go to a location and the villains would be like <gasps> It's James Bond. It's 007. He's here. That's how they react when she shows up. She doesn't need to do anything. She is not a super secret spy. She shows up and immediately they're all like, it's Wonder Woman. We are in trouble. Yeah. The fact that they know her code name, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even need to steal a book to learn that. I mean, that's really the government not doing a good job with the shell game Well, there. somehow Bob, who's continually sexually harassing or asking her out on dates over at the CIA, has no idea who she is. But yeah, this George, he's like just <laughs> sitting down and asking her out on dates and getting them, going to dinner with her and knows all her about it, it is so <laughs> weird and confusing. I agree with you, Jacob. I'm looking at this. I'm like, this is so strange. Why is she going out to dinner with this guy? Why is he like, I want to make love to you. And she's not throwing a drink in his face. Flip it. What if this was Sean Connery instead of Kathy Lee Crosby? And he was going out with Octopussy or one of them. Pussy galore. Then we'd all go with it. That's exactly what they're playing here. I go with James Bond because he has a backstory that has set that up. Like, that is the character that's been established. I'm thinking Wonder Woman comics... This is something totally different, and they don't even establish that she's just a super spy female James Bond. But that's your baggage that you're bringing to No, it's this I'm... baggage that they don't give her a backstory. That is this TV show's baggage. But what baggage she has, that beautiful blue, she's a whole bunch of luggage she brings in that hotel room, and I guess it's for all of her bracelets. She has a whole <laughs> array of different bracelets for, for different things. That's her tool of the trade, is that she will use the right bracelet for the right job. And you got to remember, too, awesome during this time just culturally women going to singles bars was relatively new prior to that prior to the women's movement the idea was women got married early and they didn't really date around the idea that there's a single career woman that's out alone at night and going to a bar was pretty revolutionary in and of itself that would be something wondrous to see in 1974 i guess i saw that in the 60s in media in the 70s so it didn't feel revolutionary to me but you're right perhaps a attractive woman in a pantsuit alone in france is a big deal <laughs> this time but yes when she then goes to call steve trevor and george i guess he's upset that he got turned down he tries to run her down with a car <laughs> yeah she has to go to a payphone booth because her room is bugged mm -hmm. but she's able to use her gymnastics to get out <laughs> But I definitely thought like Spider-Man with a spider tracer when she takes one of her bracelets and puts it on top of the car and the other bracelet's a tracer. I'm like, okay, we're not in Wonder Woman at all. 
we are going to definitely have these spy gadgets and everything else. Here's my issue. Whatever we're in, James Bond, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, whatever you want to call this. I've got some four-letter words I could use. Crap. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Tripping off the lips. Yes. But this is not exciting. These cliffhangers that they end before every commercial, like a car coming at her, and she's just going to, like, jump out of the way and throw a a bracelet on it. Okay, but Jacob, I've been re-watching Knight Rider and A-Team. These things are on reruns in a lot of stations now. I just have them on for noise. Every single commercial break cliffhanger is like this. This is TV. But are they this substandard? Like, are the resolutions this substandard in Knight Rider? They really are. Like, somebody walks into a room and Michael Knight's like, oh my god, it's him! And then when you come back from the commercial break, the guy doesn't even recognize Michael Knight. I mean, they are really, oh my god, they're shooting at us. And then you come back from the commercial break, oh, we're in a bulletproof car. Well, that's TV's problem. I'm not going to give this a pass because Knight Rider isn't very good either. (laughs) (laughs) And just to have a different take on it, I found all of this rather amusing. I mean, it is so bad. Even Roger Moore at his corniest isn't doing some of the silly things that she's being asked to do by jumping up on the awning and yeah tracing it back to the mansion with the electrified fence. I don't think I ever understood why she couldn't jump things. To me, I really associate Wonder Woman with being able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. And That's Superman. Yeah, I mean, but her too. You know, Wonder Woman can fly, at least in the comic. I think I was confusing her with Bionic Woman, who had those bionic legs that would go... But she couldn't jump a building, (laughs) but she could jump a fence. Yeah, she could have jumped this electric fence. She could have gotten out of some of these scenarios. She didn't need jewelry to do the work. What was weirding me out is that she, at this house, gets a call from Abner. And Ricardo Montalban has a car phone. We don't see him. It's worth pointing out. It's always, you know, we haven't, they're, they're holding his face off until the climax. It's like he's Wilson from Home Improvement. It's literally a piece of the car's paneling is blocking his face. We see his hand. We see his cigar. We see his white suit. We hear his voice. We know it's you, Con. Just show <laughs> us your face. But this is their Blofeld. I mean, down to the white suit, right? This is going to improve once he does show his face. I wish we got there a lot sooner just because here's an actor with some personality finally. But again, resolution to this electrified fence, she basically unplugs the electricity. Like, this is bad. <laughs> like, this is the dumbest resolution. But it's so good. I mean, define bad. I mean, I'm laughing. I'm being entertained. I'm not entertained by this, no. Oh, really? See, I definitely think that I was not prone to like this one because I saw this woman as an imposter, a failed attempt. Kathy Lee Crosby, she's no Linda Carter. And indeed, she's not. She doesn't look like her. And I guess we'll discuss that next week. But I do feel like just the absurdity of what she's being asked to go through and the fact that she's keeping a straight face is its own form of camp entertainment. Yeah, I can see that. I just think this is such a stereotype of the bond that when she goes back to her hotel room and George is waiting there with Cass and Joey and her way out of it again they have the commercial break and we get the stripes right it's almost like a weird French flag that comes across and then it comes back and how does she get out of it judo chop (laughs) (laughs) and I get confused after she knocks them all out she finds the plane ticket I thought that that was, like, she just used that ticket to get on. But no, later she mentions she has an invisible jet. It's an invisible scene. We actually never see her (laughs) in the jet. We never see. She just shows up and they're like, how did she get here so fast? And I'm confused because I don't know where they even are at this point. 
to me, my memory of Wonder Woman from a childhood is she always had an invisible jet on Super Friends, mm-hmm. invisible jet. I now know in comics she could fly, but I've always thought she just had this invisible plane. Yeah, I think they do that in the cartoons just to make her different than Superman. And favorite scene, you gotta love. So she's going back to New York. The snake? Oh my god, yes, the snake. So the assassins, Cass and Joey, get to her hotel room. She's in the shower or something. So the best way to offer is to leave this box under her seat. And so that when she gets a phone call later and she's talking to George, and George just can't believe that she's resisted him in his purple tuxedo, that he's going to press a button on a remote control and out comes a poisonous snake to coil around her (laughs) leg. And I just love the way that she calmly calls room service and tells them to deliver a saucer of milk because snakes love milk. I don't know. Maybe they do. (laughs) Well, no, no, they don't. But this is like, this is a weird thing in India. Like they they have these temples with snakes where they think they like milk, but that's a myth. Snakes don't like milk. It's so weird. It makes no sense. But I do love like... Uh, it's so bad where she's just like, and there's a extra tip in it for him if he gets here in one minute and take your shoes off before you walk. It's, there is no danger. No one, <laughs> there's no heightened danger here. To- well, she's remaining calm so she doesn't panic the snake, but why does she make the bellhop take his shoes off? That increases the danger. That means he can be bitten when the snake comes for the milk. I think I'd want my shoes on around a snake. You guys don't know anything about snakes. The vibrations from yes. the shoes, of course, would cause the snake to attack her leg. And the milk is, of course, going to lead it. I don't, you know, it's hysterical. To me, at this point, every scene is like opening up a box. But speaking of opening a box, my biggest question came before the snake. Because she finds this airplane ticket, right? And then we cut to Steve Trevor and some unknown (laughs) army general with a giant crate. They're like, is it a bomb? What is it? And I'm thinking this is what she found, like, the airline tickets for. They open it. It's a donkey. <laughs> and I'm like, did she send them a donkey as a signal? It's all okay. I have got these plane tickets because she just vanquished the bad guys. So what's going on with the donkey? I had to wait a good 20 minutes for that answer. But I thought it was a signal from Diana to Steve that everything was under control. <laughs> It's a burrow case, you know. <laughs> they do all these tests on it to try to determine if it's a bomb. They didn't hear the thing growing, like, <laughs> in the box. It didn't make any sounds. Yes, the U.S. government can't tell the difference between a donkey and a bomb. This is not a good world that Diana Prince is trying to save us from. But then she's visited by one of her friends who I can't recognize because there's not enough Vaseline on the lens in this scene. <laughs> Dia. Dia and Diana. Dia, okay. Angela has left the island, and so we know we have to be careful now, because Angela's around. This is out of nowhere that Dia shows up to tell Diana this. And they have a backstory that they talk about, but we didn't see. It would have been really helpful to know that they fought each other in combat before, that that it was a, a draw, I guess. That Diana may be able to be beaten by Angela should be mean something, I would think. I wish there was something setting up the scene we'd see next, which is Angela with Abner. No, you need a backstory, which this does not have. (laughs) Yeah, not enough time, right? This is only 70 minutes long. If this were a TV movie, normally I'd think that would at least be 90 minutes of content, 30 minutes of commercials. I'm thinking both of these were aired as 90 minutes because... Mm -hmm. 
back then you got 50 minutes of television out of an hour counting credits Mm -hmm. and so if you have 75 minutes here i think that's a 90 minute block of time and then you still show different strokes or whatever you had on after but like you say at 75 minutes this is pretty fleet because as soon as she shows up we're gonna reach the climax and the climax is all about the donkey (laughs) covered in ultraviolet spray so they could track it Poor Steve, yeah, his his whole scene is he and the guy hitting on Diana earlier are going to outfit with fake money, or it's not fake money, it's money that has uh, been marked. Unmarked. So, no, they, no, it's marked. They say that he's too smart, to, so they don't mark it. Oh, okay, alright. But it's it's also filled with tear gas, so he'll just have stinging eyes, but he'll get away with the money? Well, I think they think that they can track the donkey, the tear gas will slow Abner down, and then they can rush in and apprehend him. They didn't know Abner's going to give this donkey a bath later on. <laughs> and the donkey is so smart, they take him out of the truck, say a few words in Spanish, pop him on the butt, and then he knows the route. He's better than Uber. Yeah, he's better than the assassins, Cass and Joey, who are being knocked out by Wonder Woman. The contingency plan, of course, Steve wants her there in the background. Should this go wrong, and how could it? Yes, indeed, Wonder Woman is going to come and save their ass. Follow this donkey. How does she get behind them? It's like they have sniper rifles at her. We see her outdoors. And then the very next moment, she pops up behind them. I have no idea how she got there. Yeah, I'm more confused by the scene in which she gets in a trap she wasn't expecting. Nobody would. Multicolored oatmeal is coming down from the walls, and the walls are also closing in, and there may be poison smoke. There's like three things going on in that room, and I don't understand any of it. The melting walls were so psychedelic. I'm like, this should have been on TV five years earlier during the big mushroom and acid hippie days. What is going on? But yeah, the burrow goes into there. They shine a bunch of lights on it. I'm feeling bad for the poor donkey that's having to undergo all this. He's standing on some platform. Then the walls start melting as she walks up to it and picks a big rock off of it. I think it's cement because it turns hard in her hand. It's goop when she scoops it off the wall. It's not acidic because it looks like it's like smoking and would, yeah. would melt flesh. But it does end up turning into a rock that she tries to use to break the window. And she ends up just kicking in the window. I don't know. Yeah, she it? just punches her way out. <laughs> Again, dumb resolution. There is no tension here. I like that she had to use the wall to kick her way out. And I like the fact that this is three years before Star Wars. So this trash compactor room here was a very novel idea back then that wasn't done a million times. But yeah, there's the smoking wall that I think is acid. I think something's happening to make the wall dissolve. I can't read what's going on. All I know is it looks like an icy thing with all the different syrups because it's got the three different colors. It does look delicious. Yes, I agree. (laughs) I want to point out, director of this had done a lot of Disney, a lot of Herbie movies. The screenwriter of this did a lot of blaxploitation. He wrote Shaft. All campy things, all things that predicate on ridiculous plot turns. I think we're being asked to think of this with tongue-in-cheek. I wouldn't call this a comedy, but I think they're comfortable with the idea that this is absurd. I know I am. See, and I don't see this as camp. I see this as lazy. They're taking the easiest way out. I don't see the camp. I I see it's... Oh, you don't see the camp. (laughs) I just don't see this as, when I think camp and superheroes, as Batman 66. It's not that approach. No. It's just badly written and badly produced and badly filmed. Yeah, there's no Adam West here to underline the absurdity. Yeah. Kathy Lee Crosby is playing it straight. 
Yeah, and it's just riding that line where it's certainly laughable, but is it in on the joke? I don't know. It's certainly winking, but James Bond also liked to wink. So we get this scene now where Diana loses the donkey because there are four donkeys. <laughs> They're so clever. Smarter than the filmmakers of these donkeys. And yeah, we get... I mean, I'd pay $50 to see this rematch here with Angela. 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 <laughs> Angela. I'm sorry. She spells it really funky. Sometimes I'll read it and be like, what is her name? I had to look it up because I did it phonetically. I look at your notes. I'm like, Aunt Jemima? What are you putting in this note? <laughs> yeah, Angela and Diana are going to go at it here with javelin kendo stick something or other wait 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 you're selling the short wonder woman in her evil knievel outfit rides up on a donkey to fight them. because <laughs> yeah. she knows which donkey is the right one because didn't you know like all their hooves are like fingerprints you could i think that's bullcrap i don't think that's a real thing just like snakes <laughs> like milk <laughs> I'll go with it. You know what? I will go with that. But it is kind of funny the way she arrives on the right donkey with the money. But now they're going to go at it in the worst choreographed fight I have seen in a long time where they're pointing these sticks and slamming them together. And It's so bad. You talk about George Lucas and the trash compactor. I'm thinking the Star Wars kid. You're familiar <laughs> with that meme. You're right, Angela has even his facial expression as she goes spinning that thing around. That is great. I don't know what that means, but my point of reference is Battle of the Network Stars, which I hear is making a comeback. But they used to, the networks used to have these Olympic competitions where you would see your favorite stars like Gary Coleman and Webster would go at it in a pool or something. And this definitely feels like, yeah, Bionic Woman versus their Wonder Woman. And there are no winners here. It's a silly fight, but I guess... I'm enjoying the silliness of it. I'm actually having, the more that it goes wrong here, the better time I'm having with Wonder Woman. I wish Angela had a cool outfit like Wonder Woman does. Instead, she's just, I don't know, is that mauve that she's wearing? It's, it's a very 70s suit, but she's going to come back. If this was picked up to series, I mean, mm -hmm. she is allowed to live. She's allowed to escape. She is bested in combat. She asks diana to take her life and diana's like no you just have to tell me where abner's base is and your debt is paid and she's like you know as well as i that we will face each other again and if i win i will take your life well network exec says you won't face each other again but i think this was set up that she'd come back like mid-season as a big bad of course, yeah, and I am a little curious to know why they rejected this Wonder Woman, but still made more with a different actress. You're wondering why they rejected this? You've seen it. Yeah, I can understand canceling it. I don't understand why I would make another Wonder Woman, though. Well, like we'll talk about that next week. We still have Ricardo Montalban's big reveal to discuss, <laughs> because while... Wonder Woman was doing this. George and the donkey went to the Grand Canyon. And again, this is such a James Bond layer. In fact, I'm surprised James Bond villains have never had a layer in the Grand Canyon. Being in the wall of the Grand Canyon is awesome. It's up there with being in the Arctic and being on an island of a volcano. It's a pretty long walk. I think they, they were in a New Mexico ghost town, dude. To get to the Grand Canyon is, I'm poor donkey. That's a different state. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of hoof prints to follow. But now we get the tete-a-tete -tete between Abner 
and Wonder Woman. And my God, Abner's the nicest criminal ever. He's like, come on in, have a drink. It's not poison. Let's chat, you and I. I'm so happy you're here. Why don't you just take the books? I'll just take the money and we're good. That's fair. And here's what I love. I don't know if Wonder Woman is actually charmed by him or just loves rubbing it in George's face how unattractive he is to her, that she would flirt more with his boss and be repulsed by every attempt that he made to hit on her. I mean, he's vowed at this point that he's going to kill her the next time he sees her. He's done with the courtship. And Ricardo is just, yeah, you feel like they could get married at the end of this. Yeah, it is Ricardo Montalban. Like, I am glad that he finally reveals himself and gets some face time. I do love the moment he's like, I just, I need to know, how did you beat me, you know, by an hour? And I'm just thinking, the invisible plane, boss, the invisible plane. <laughs> and I just love his reaction where he's like, of course, the whole prints are different that's how you knew the simplest of things yeah if it wasn't ricardo montalban i'd be suffering but i haven't had this much fun with a tv movie bad guy since christopher lee was in captain america 2 i just think good casting of bad guys is key here absolutely and which is to say that if there were more episodes it wouldn't hold this quality. A lot of this is the absurdity of the plotting and the joy of discovering, finally seeing, giving screen time to the man they've kept off camera for so long, who is chewing up all of the scenery. Come see the helicopter lift. I stole the plans from Strategic Air Command. I mean, he is touring like it's Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island won't start for another three years, but I think they just saw this performance and went, yes, we're going to put a show around it. (laughs) I would. It's gold. And he also is noticing that her bracelet, you came in with two, now you have one. Boom goes the chopper. Off screen. I thought she killed everybody. I'm like, oh my God, you blew up the chopper. Cass and Joy were in there. Some unnamed helicopter technician was in there. You just killed them all, Wonder Woman. I'd be cool with that. I mean, it's kind of badass, but now he's got to get away on an inflatable canoe, which the the fact that the final chase is between motorcycle versus inflatable canoe is just, again, the comedy does not end. I lived in Florida and once upon a time during a hurricane across the Kaluchahachi River came one of these inflatable rafts to my backyard and I roped it up. You couldn't get anywhere on that thing. You could not make it. From my house to the Gulf via the river that would take you straight there, let alone escape with 15 million government dollars while hopefully Steve Trevor has some kind of aerial support. Well, and I don't think Abner does get anywhere on that back lot that they're, he's trying yeah. to paddle that thing around in. Clearly not the Grand Canyon where they shot, but... Uh... And Wonder Woman is in no hurry to get there. She has the box with the book. She finds this motorcycle. She's going to slowly and deliberately bungee the books to the motorcycle, put on the helmet, and then give chase as if she knows he's not going anywhere. Yeah, she's got a motorcycle and he's paddling a boat. What's so weird, and I guess... Stuart, you could call this camp and, and find it entertaining. I, I just find it bizarre. It's like she just jumps in and captures Abner and laughs. You came close, Abner. Oh, you almost killed all of our undercover spies, but I got you. Like, this is, <laughs> this is a joke to her. It's so weird that this guy tried to kill everyone in the agency she works for, and she's just laughing it up. Not only that, but yeah, very suggestively, full of sexual innuendo is the way that she lights his cigar there. I mean, it is. It's almost like they copulate it. It's almost like a sex that we're experiencing between these two. I just kept going back to Kingsman, you know, gentleman spy, the way that they would always have the 
camaraderie with the bad guy in the Bond films, even if they were trying to blow up the world or kill the spies. So yeah, I think there's a professional respect and perhaps even an attraction, even though she won and he didn't cause any damage. She's going to let him have his cigarette and he's going to go off, hopefully to also come back in a future episode because he is just too delicious a villain to let go. Yeah, and uh, poor George, again, never measured up. All the gum chewing in the world, his uh, open collar shirts and medallions and hairy chest just could not work on this woman. So he kills the assassins. He tries to steal the money, but he can't swim. <laughs> I like that Abner's on to him the whole time. He, he got Angela specifically because George is a little too ambitious and he's killing everybody. I like that he offers Cass and Joey a drink and they're like, no, we saw what happened last time you gave somebody a drink. He's like, okay, then I'll kill you without a drink. And so he does try to steal all 15 million. He falls in the water. I can't swim. Well, that's too bad. George, as Ricardo Montalban, just paddles his way out. I don't know that we've seen the end of him either. We don't see any bodies other than the ones George leaves behind him. But none of these characters would come back. When we return next week, we have a totally new Wonder Woman, a totally new series. But how satisfied with that are you? Jacob Stewart, would you recommend or would you watch this Wonder Woman? Jacob. I am very satisfied that the show got canceled. It's not coming back. No, I would not watch this Wonder Woman. There... Unless Montalban is going to be in every episode, because that's the one thing I did enjoy, just because he does ham it up. Kathy Lee Crosby, I guess a tennis player you're telling me, and, and sold some Pepsodent, she seems bored to me throughout most of this. Like, as Abner is, like, telling her the plot, she looks bored. As she's sitting there with the snake wrapped around her, she looks bored. I feel like if you're trying to compare this to James Bond, like Sean Connery, there, there's a cool suaveness about him. You know, he's, he's going to have a cocked eyebrow as the bellhop feeds some milk to the snake. Kathy Lee Crosby, I mean, she is no Wonder Woman. She is not a wonder. I say stay away from this, not recommend. Stewart. Oh, you know, and for a contrary point of view, I'm going to paraphrase Ricardo Montalban. Wonder Woman, I love you. I mean, this thing is hysterical. Don't get me wrong. This is terrible. Would I watch the show? Absolutely not. It deserves to be canceled. They were smart not to continue in this route. But through its failures, what we have dubbed the Brown Arrow, the so bad it's come around and been good, I definitely feel like this compares favorably with Catwoman. I mean, I definitely feel like this is a good time. And honestly, yeah, Kathy Lee Crosby is is not into this role, but I do wonder if she's any worse than Farrah Fawcett Majors or some of those Charlie Angels uh, that we would get later. I mean, I think this is par for the course for 70s entertainment. So if you have a love for retro, maybe not a love for the comic book character, you're going to have a good time. That's where I'm sitting, too. I've just was watching this and I'm like, this is a bad Wonder Woman episode. This is really bad Wonder Woman. But for a television Mission Impossible James Bond, I saw so many worse Bond films as part of that Bond retrospective, most of which did star Roger Moore and came out around this time. I mean, this is tons better than Moonraker. Which also has a killer snake in it. <laughs> That's true. There's some real cheese going on here, but... If you're looking for a spy adventure, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a recommend, you know? Recommend is Green Arrow recommend? Yeah, recommend is weak Green Arrow recommend. <sighs> oh, boy. 
Not brown. Not brown. Wheat green. Just because of the spy film it is of a female James Bond. Did Roger Moore hurt you that much? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you had me and then you lost me here. I mean, I thought we all agreed this was terrible. It's better than On Her Majesty's Secret Service is my memory. Wow. I'd have to go back and re-listen to my own reviews of some of those, but I know there were some Bond films that weren't nearly this fun and were every bit this cheesy. So, you know what? I probably would have watched the series back then. Would I watch it if it was on today? No. Spy TV just isn't my thing. But... For what it is, I think they did a pretty decent job adapting the then material. Of course, if you come here and you want the Wonder Woman that was iconic even back then, the Wonder Woman who was going to show up on Super Friends and all of that, you're not getting that here. That's not what this is. The worst thing about this series is that it was named Wonder Woman. Mm. If it had just been named Secret Agent Woman, it might have gone over better. Agreed. But then we probably wouldn't have watched it. That is true. And Kathy Lee Crosby might be known for something more than toothpaste. (laughs) But that is it for this week. Next week, they try again one year later. They said the ratings for this were respectable, but not wondrous. And so they didn't put this to series, but they weren't completely dismissing the fact that Wonder Woman could be a series. So one year later, they try again. They'd actually... Get it right this time with Linda Carter. We're going to be talking about that next Tuesday, totally free Tuesday. In the meantime, we have two bonus episodes coming out. It is our spring donation drive. We really could use your support. And this Friday, Brock returns for a special guest host appearance as we return to our Alien Retrospective series for the sixth installment, Covenant. Yeah, completely excited about the franchise, but a little concerned about what might be happening with a beloved property in the hands of a, an old man now. I, I like Ridley Scott as a young director. What's he going to do with, yeah, it feels like Fantasy Island with an alien. I, I don't know. But yeah, I'm looking forward to hanging out with Arnie and Brock and figuring out whatever the hell this new Prometheus sequel is. So that will be out on Friday for donors. If you donated for Alien back in the day, or if you got our DVD-ROM set, you're getting this show already. If you didn't, it will be available as an individual episode on our Podbean page, or you can donate to our show. We really hope you will. At the gold level, you will get all five Pirates of the Caribbean episodes, four of which are out. The fifth comes next week, plus all six Alien films. Or you can go gold for $40 or more and also get nine Planet of the Apes films as we do War for Planet of the Apes coming this July. Or you can go even higher or go to nowpeakingpodcast.com because also this past weekend saw the return of Twin Peaks on Showtime. And Stuart, Jacob, and I have a new weekly show because we don't do enough weekly shows. (laughs) I know, I can't believe all the goodness that's coming to me this past weekend. But yes, Alien coming back and Twin Peaks coming back within such a short time span. I know, Peekers, you got to want to talk about what happened this past Sunday. I do. I hope you can join us in Now Peaking. I hope you followed us through the entire series. You can hear the pilot for free. But if you are as excited as I am, there's a lot to discuss. It's like 1992 all over again when we had Firewalk with me and Alien 3 at the same time. <laughs> Hopefully it's not exactly that. Yeah, that's not a very good thing. <laughs> 
Your support keeps our show going. We'd really appreciate it. You can find all the details, all the links at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. And then we'll be back on Totally Free Tuesday next week with the new original Wonder Woman, that paradoxical title. Isn't that a joke in Spinal Tap? (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for listening to Now Playing. We'll change your mind and change the world. There's deep sadness in having you leave us. But there's also joy. The hope that your presence in the world of man will open closed eyes to the genuine value of women. That you'll never lose the sensitivity that is our real strength. You carry with you our love. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's Wonder Woman Retrospective Series. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You did a beautiful job, gentlemen. The bar is open. Why don't you have a drink? You deserve it. Be sure to go to NowPlayingPodcast.com to hear reviews of all the DC Comics movies, including Batman, The Dark Knight, Man of Steel, the entire Superman series, Catwoman, Watchmen, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and much more. What's your story, lady? Story? Well, I know a few myths, but... Oh, a joker, huh? You can also find reviews of other comic-based movies like The Avengers, Spider-Man, Hellboy, Men in Black, Kick-Ass, Howard the Duck, and Kingsman. Violence and mayhem. That's so gosh. For more movie review podcasts, visit the nowplayingpodcast.com archives. There you'll find hundreds of film reviews, including Die Hard, the Jason Bourne series, the James Bond films, Machete, Blade Runner, and more. And come back each week for another new movie review. We'll be together again soon. Now Playing relies on listener support to keep operating. For our podcast's 10th anniversary, we have released over 150 donation podcasts through our Podbean page. Available there are series like The Matrix, The Quentin Tarantino Films, Planet of the Apes, Jurassic Park, Aliens, and Pirates of the Caribbean. Links to our Podbean page are available from nowplayingpodcast.com. How much? Name your own price. 50. You're on. You can also join our Podbean crowdfunding campaign to help our show grow. Backers of $10 or more will receive exclusive bonus podcast reviews, including Hook and The Warriors. That seems fair. If this was a normal business transaction, Mr. Smith, it would be. You can also donate to us directly using PayPal. Details can be found by clicking the banner at the top of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Well, apparently I do need money to survive here. And lots of it. Do you know that a good steak dinner costs over a dollar these days? It's disgusting. Also at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book, you can order Now Playing's film review collection, Underrated Movies We Recommend. This book has 125 reviews about films you probably haven't seen, but you should. Some things in this world worth learning to like. Want to take part in the discussion? Join the Now Playing hosts at our forums, where you and other listeners can give your thoughts on this movie review. The links to our forums are at nowplayingpodcast.com. Shall I pick you up? 
I brought your trunk. That's very thoughtful, George, but I'd just as soon meet you there. Try not to be late. You can also follow Now Playing on Google+, Facebook, and Twitter. There, the hosts post new episode announcements, movie reviews, and contests, where you can win movies and soundtracks. I sincerely wish we might have spent more time together. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Are you kidding? You are the greatest! Now Playing's Wonder Woman series is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Genuine American hero. Now Playing's Wonder Woman series is edited by Arnie, David, and Heath. You realize the task you have chosen is the most difficult sacrifice any person can make. Now Playing's Wonder Woman series credit narration by Brock. I haven't the slightest idea what you're talking about. This podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created or produced the Wonder Woman films or TV series. Now Playing is an independent review podcast with no affiliation with any company involved in the publishing, creating, or distribution of these films or soundtracks. All audio clips and music used are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. You've had a very long and dry trip. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. But surely, some men can be trusted. Now Playing is a Inganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Inganza Media Incorporated. Wonder Woman, I love you. Next week with Linda Carter, Wonder Woman with Kathy. I want to see Kathy Lee Gifford. <laughs> I want to see that with Kathy Lee Gifford. I think that too. Every time I hear Kathy Lee, I'm yes. thinking Gifford, Regis, and Kathy Lee. Yeah, Crosby. Regis could be Steve. I could see it. <laughs>